welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Davidson and I'm by my good buddies, Ethan Huffman and Elkin Beltry. Yo. Guys, how you doing? Doing good. It's a good, great day to be alive. I'm so excited to be back on the pod after my hiatus, Senate hiatus. I enjoyed listening to some draft prep, getting ready for these prospects that are coming in. And I encourage all our listeners, if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, there are up on any of your providers, podcast providers, and go ahead and listen to what Ethan and Richard got to say about them. But definitely good to be back. And go check out the uh, the spreadsheet. It is yes. um, helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think I got to do just I think I got to edit it a little bit. I think I think Bleach Report got a little ambitious. So um, <laughs> so I, I anyways, I'll do that. Go check it out. It's a good time. Um, but we're here to talk about the 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 rewatch, the NBA bubble. Yes. Um, did I say rewatch? I see yeah. you, got, you got messed up here with with, with the doc, Ethan. Uh, but the bubble watch, things that are going on, and right now the thing that is going on, the thing the thing that is hot is the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Phoenix Suns, man, I'll tell you, they have not lost in the bubble. Devin Booker doing his best T.J. Warren impression to keep this team alive and their playoff hopes in the balance. Um, yes. I think that one of the most impressive things about this is. I would have thought Kelly Oubre was an important player on this team, and he is not playing. And that's honestly something that is kind of surprises me on how they've been so successful down what I would say is probably their second or uh, the third best player behind uh, Booker and Aiton. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also not seeing any Aaron Baines. Yep. That's even not, not much of your regulars, guys. Like, I based on the games that I've been able to watch, you we pretty much got in just. You have your DeAndre Ayton, or Devin Booker, first of all, who's doing his thing. But Cameron Payne, not that bad the last few games. I know the former dance partner of one Russell Westbrook on the Thunder. He's actually been having a solid resurgence. And I've been seeing just contribution from him, some Javon Carter, as Ethan calls the Elkin Beltry of the NBA so fondly. And I can tell you as... I got to watch that Pacers versus Suns game, and we were a victim of a 21-0 to 0 run. Um, these Suns, like, 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 they're getting unexpected contributions. Like, that's all I can put it in. Like, you look at who's playing and who's not playing, who's contributing, and I've been looking at their, right now as we're talking, their box scores for these past games, and I'm like, they're just getting help from everyone across the board. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, you look at some of the people who are you know Macau Bridges, who is out there defending whoever he whoever the, the best guy um, best best swing on the other on the other team, he's picking him up, and yep. his arms for days are are giving people problems. It should also be noted that Cameron Johnson, um, who I will say I liked pre draft, but the whole Phoenix process of how they went about acquiring him, um, nobody liked. We didn't like. Uh, I did like Cam- Cameron Johnson just because I knew he had a shot. Uh, the question is, you know, can he can he defend? Is his hip going to be okay long term? He's a little bit of an older prospect, but with him coming in, he's been productive uh, during this restart, um, spacing the floor, knocking down shots, and you know, so you know, while the process that the Suns went through may not have been super great, uh, you know, they are reaping some of those benefits right now. Yeah, on the Cam Johnson train, he. Got bigger too. Like that guy has filled his body out to make himself an M- a real NBA player. Like not quite the Jared Dudley school of uh, physique, <laughs> but like that guy was a pretty rail rail skin kid. Um, his last year at UNC after the transfer out of Pitt, but 
that guy put on some weight where he like credibly can play the four now. Like he's still a little slow foot, like defensively, but he, he's out there, you know, grabbing boards and, and shooting those corner threes. Like it's nobody's business. And they like said, we, we, me and Richard both liked him uh, towards the later around the pick. I think like we were, we had him like theoretically mocked in the like twenties. Yeah. And, but so 11 still probably not a great value pick, but he's performing at a like second team, all rookie level. And yeah. that's, that's you know it's only one spot off right but at the same time i mean you you look in you know how many in most drafts how many quality nba players and starters um even are there that that get drafted i mean we're we're probably right around like 10 to 15 guys and if cam johnson could be one of those guys drafting at 11 obviously you're paying him a little bit more uh than like Thibel is being is being paid you know for his draft spot also being a solid contributor it, it ends up, you know, ends up working out even if the process, because they wanted Dario Saric, you know, who, you know, the process is awful, but, you know, you end up getting a good, a good, good player and, you know, undefeated right now in the bubble. Yeah. And, and I think for, for guys like Cam Johnson, you look at just these rookies, because if you're a rookie this year, you have probably one of the weirdest rookie seasons. I mean, I can't think of any season that's been like this. We never had it. And I think it's someone brought it up. I've read a few articles about it. It's like they're on their second season right now. If you're a rookie, which you guys know, like some rookies struggle. And it's that second season where you start seeing like, hey, either a sophomore slump or you start seeing like, I understand the game better. And I think that's helped out some guys having that gap where they're like, I'm going to improve. Maybe it could be my body, my mechanics, my techniques. And that's going to help me in this restart. Go ahead, Ethan. Yeah, like it's the sophomore slump happens to guys who don't improve enough based on now that they're on everyone's scouting report. Yeah. And like the guys who really succeed are the ones who come back with new things that aren't in that uh, preseason scouting report. And so we're we're seeing, you know, some some young players who have who have brought something else to the game. It's just enabled them to to really succeed in the bubble because you can't there's no like there's no way to fully prepare for what the situation was going to be um, in Orlando and you know some guys have really taken advantage of, of the time they had off to hone some craft to get their bodies um, to a different level and you know be real true professional basketball players that are like you know doing the most for their success. Mm-hmm. You know the NBA was getting a lot of flack early on when when they were figuring out okay how many teams are we going to invite to this bubble we got to invite enough that um we we can get the pelicans in right as you know that that, that's how people looking outside looking in we're kind of viewing it it's all about zion all about the pelicans when and so we go ahead and get them and then we also get the the Suns and uh the kings which were kind of just like throw-ins because oh well if we're bringing him we got to bring someone out uh out east and the wizards and so we got to make sure and, and so that's kind of how it looked from appearances well the the Suns are are only a half game back behind the trailblazers all the spurs of that nine spot and they're all within um they're all within range of the grizzlies there's going to be a play-in game and you know i'll say the grizzlies last few games may you know don't necessarily look look really easy it should be noted though um that who knows from day to day what teams are going to be actually playing players and people, but the Grizzlies have the Raptors, Celtics, and Bucks. And if they're playing their players, that looks to be a tough ask for the Grizzlies. So they better hope that I guess that they're not. That they're not. Um, the the Suns, Thunder, Sixers, Mavericks. Maybe a little bit of an easier schedule. Mavericks at the end really are locked into that seven seed. They have nothing to play for. So I mean, who knows? This could be a thing where 
the the Suns maybe they're able to sneak in. Um, and a lot of this is going off of the tough shot making of one Devin Booker. Yeah, he's been incredible. Like some, like he's been a real standout. Like for a lot of people who think he's kind of like an empty stats player, I think we're seeing um, now, like watching him play again. The, the a lot of the worst teams in the league aren't here right now, and so we're seeing him play against higher levels of competition. Like his team technically was the worst team in this bubble, other than maybe the Wizards had a lower record, but. He's out here performing really well against this, like what would be the stiffest competition the league has. You know, maybe some teams are resting a little bit here and there. Like this is a this is like his statement is like, hey, I'm actually really good. I'm not like what when Bill Simmons gave him a hard time for like not wanting to go to the the USA on all that Team USA kind of stuff. It was like you're you're a bad team guy. Like you need to you need to go to Team USA and you know learn and blah 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 with all like that kind of atmosphere. And I mean. No, he didn't have to do that. He, he might have helped, but he's doing fine on his own. Like he's, he is the reason that team is so successful. Like without Devin Booker, you put in replacement level player, that team is garbage. Yeah, and a lot of people say like, oh, all he does is score. But if you watch his games, even just looking at his box scores, if you want to, but seeing his games, he is becoming more and more of a well-rounded player. Like I know we talked about at one point. Uh, I remember we brought up this discussion. Maybe it was last season or season before. It's like, why can't Devin Booker be in the mold of? James Harden put the ball in his hand, point guard Booker. But I've been impressed with a lot of his playmaking. And it's not just like, oh, I'm going to get the simple pass. Here comes an easy layup on a fast break, get these assists. Like he's making smart basketball plays and getting teammates open. And that's one thing I've also been impressed with him. That it looks like he's been working on that as well. And I also think that a lot of this has to do with people like Mikel Bridges, um, you know, c- coming of age. Because, you know, if you know, back in the olden days, what, what, for early on, Devin Booker, it's him and a bunch of other just weak players. And so even if he scores out, it's like, oh, well, the other team already has 40 more points than you. And so you're really just shooting just to shoot. And then they're empty stats. But now because you've got um, an excellent wing defender, 3 and D guy out of Villanova, Sadiq Bey, alert, 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 right? Uh, you have a guy out here, Mikel Bridges, who is who's doing his thing. Um, you know, you can't really sleep on the team as a whole anymore. Obviously, DeAndre Ayton. But I feel like pe- people still... Are. People are really, I think, only focusing on Booker. I mean, you look at Draymond, who got fined uh, $50,000 that came came across today um, for for basically tampering and saying, oh, you know, get him out of Phoenix. There's no, you know, get him out of Phoenix, Phoenix and then you'll see. Well, guess what? Phoenix is doing some things in the bubble, and, you know, some, some of their young guys are taking leaps. And, and so, but for the people who think, oh, well, let's go ahead and get him out of bubble, I got a thought, got a thought experiment for you guys. What if, because we're trying to get him out of Phoenix, we did a theoretical swap of Devin Booker and Ben Simmons? The contracts line up, guys. The contracts line up. My question is, who says no to a Devin Booker, Ben Simmons, um, you know, p- proposed trade? I think Phoenix does. That's honestly where I'm. I think Phoenix likes what Devin Booker brings, and then I put. Obviously, 76ers would love having a would love having Devin Booker there because you would just spread the floor even more for a guy like Joel Embiid and other guys who like to cut. But then put in, let's think about Ben Simmons in that Suns lineup. Like, how would that? Well, I, th- I think you got to move out of Ricky Rubio, right? Let's go ahead and tack him on here. So if if you bring in, and tack on Ricky Rubio, and in order to make the contracts work, we throw Josh Richardson. Um, and I don't know. 
we 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 said that the Suns probably say no. Well, let's go ahead and maybe throw Matisse Thybulle their way. All right, just just to help make the money work and and all that. That that trade still works. Um, I I will say the uh, the Sixers are getting a, a little bit of extra money in in all of that, but it still works. I don't know. You have you have. Basically, I think you become a really good defensive team if, if you're the Suns, right? Yeah. You know, having Ben Simmons there is helpful. Bringing him into his thigh bowl, Josh can, can defend people. And you got Mikel Bridges. Like, that's a scary defensive team, especially with the, the steps DeAndre Ayton's um, taken. But then it becomes, well, now, now we've got DeAndre Ayton and Ben Simmons. We, we've had the issues with, with, with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Why are we not going to have issues uh, with the fit there? And I, th- I think that's probably why Phoenix says no, the fit would not really work out. They've built this team around Booker. Changing would, would, would be weird. For what it's worth, I feel like Aiton's shot, like he's a better catch-and-shoot threat than Joel Embiid. He doesn't have the off-the-dribble game that Joel Embiid does or like the incredible post-up. Like DeAndre Aiton, don't get me wrong, good post-up player, but Joel Embiid is a different animal in that regard. But DeAndre Aiton, like going back to his time in Arizona when I would have criticized him for it, being so willing to take that jump shot, that's something he seems very comfortable with mid-range and also after the three-point line um, from time to time. I think you could see a, a pretty good Phoenix. Uh, I don't know how much Phoenix would be worse other than close game stuff, like in the like final, final shot kind of stuff, because obviously Booker is going to be better than Ben Simmons at that. But if we're looking at the shooters, assuming we bring in a Josh Richardson, a, 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 either a Shake, uh, Shake Milton or a Matisse Thibel, not like I'm not going to say who the Suns would would target if that trade were to come through. But we're looking at Cam Johnson. Like you're going to give Ben Simmons all the shooters that he's not always had um, here in Phoenix, and that that's going to be very helpful. You know, Mikael Bridges already on site. That'd be a pretty menacing defensive tandem, Bridges and Simmons. And then just be up to Aiton, you know, to figure out a few things at the rim, and that team would be incre- like a pretty solid defensive team quickly. But the po- the point of this exercise is to see wh- why is it why are, why is Devin Booker now maybe more valuable than Ben Simmons when a year ago I don't think that would have been the case, and it comes down to shooting, and and shooting is gonna just keep reigning supreme in this league as long as you know this three ball barrage is continuing and with the fact that it makes a lot more sense to shoot threes via the math yep. that's going to continue for a while yeah but I, I, even like if ben simmons was just a below the average shooter like i think that that would even push to push the scales in his in his favor even like just the fact that he just doesn't take shots and basically just makes himself a center on offense uh a, a phenomenally passing center um and you know guy who who really can get your transition offense working a whole lot uh, but yeah it's it's just tough scoring is the thing that you want in this league and i, I think that having that if you know that you've got the pieces uh, surrounding that really just makes that the number one skill as well as being healthy which at the moment ben simmons is not Underrated uh, aspect of defense is it's a lot easier to play defense when you're in a set defense, and you get to set, be in a set defense when you score a lot. And so, like, I always have thought, like, like these recent iterations of Miami Heat teams have not been as good, at, like, metrically in defense as they could have been because their offense playing a Rodney Magruder, playing, you know, Wayne Ellington um, as, like, one of the only guys who could really bury threes on a consistent basis – like having those guys not be able to score effectively enough, like just puts you at such a disadvantage. We are always in a little bit of a scramble mode getting back on defense. Yep. 
let's go ahead and take a look uh, at uh, something this 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 next little thing that we're going to focus on here on rest versus rust, right? So, are, are there people that we um, that we're I guess we're worried about, or are, are there teams that we that we think will or won't be able to shake off the rust? Like, I look at the Lakers as a team, and obviously they've had people sitting out and stuff, stuff of that nature. But are we worried? With some of the injuries from the people who've not come into the bubble, you don't know, have every Bradley, Rondo. It looks like might be coming back, so maybe that's bad news for Los Angeles. For those of you who out, out there who, who know us, um, uh, so you know, KCP had a scary injury. It's it seems yesterday. I haven't been able to watch the Lakers because because they've been shutting me out. I've, I've watched like two games, um, and and so I, you guys got to help me out here. Are, are, are should we be concerned about the Lakers? I am a little bit because it's not just like one person on the Lakers. You know, LeBron has had some several games where he's struggled. I don't know if it's, you know, engagement because like he's, he's out there playing, he's moving around, but like, I'm not seeing that look at the hand and pull. I haven't seen a game where he's just really wet from three. Um, obviously his passing is sharp. His defense in, in spurts is like, wow, LeBron is, does really care about this specific moment. Um, but a lot of those, a lot of those Laker players, like we don't have some of those, like just knockdown killer jump shooters. Like he's had in Miami, like he's had in Cleveland. J.R. Smith is one of those guys, but he's aged out of like, I think the relevant stage of his career. He might have a moment or two in this playoffs, but he's, he, he can't be dependent on for, for big stretches. I'm looking at this Laker team and I'm seeing it be, uh, LeBron James, I mean, Danny Green, for example, I would have had him as the third best player on the Lakers, and that guy's hardly made a shot in the bubble. It's honestly been a travesty. We're looking at Kyle Kuzma and and Deion Waiters being the fourth and fifth best players on the team, and I'm not as excited about that as I would have been, you know, a few months ago, even though Deion Waiters looking good. No yep. rust on that guy. Well, he's ready. He's ready at all times. Miami Heat legend, as we call him. Uh, but... I think similar to what echoing what Ethan said, I mean, and obviously getting to watch, I don't getting to watch the Pacers Lakers and I don't, I don't get blacked out over here in Indiana, but just watching it, you kind of see there's not as much as cohesiveness you saw in the offense from before and picking up some of the things that Ethan said. And, and it's hard to figure out, like sometimes with LeBron, we've seen this before. It's like heading into the playoffs, like, Oh no, LeBron seems in trouble. Then in the playoffs, they have like that switch and then they're fine. But I see what you're talking about, just those worries. And even looking at them, like yesterday against the the Pacers, it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, LeBron had a good game, but there was no one else who was really – I think LeBron was the only double-digit scorer as far as a starter, or it might have been even the entire team. I don't think there was anyone else in. I, so Danny Green, right? He's got to be on his game. I don't worry as much about – like. Danny Green goes through weird spurts. Like you look at his his series against uh, like Milwaukee last year, right? Uh, in Milwaukee, he was he shot seventeen percent from three last year in that series, right? Seventeen percent, you know, taking about four four a game. So like that's not good. But then if you go and look at his performance against Golden State, against Golden State, ah, basketball reference messed me up here. He was on fire. Right. He's knocking down shots. Uh, You know, he has a game where where he's six for 10, four for nine, three for seven. Like, so he's knocking down shots, especially early on in that series, helping give giving give them a boost uh, until Kyle Lowry and and Kawhi could take over. And so 
and Fred Van Fleet, we can't forget him. But the idea is like for him, I, I guess I, I don't want to get too worried uh, about the bubble. Like maybe I just am not worried because I've not been able to see some of the games where they've been struggling. But I just think to myself, okay, we're going to feel comfortable after they play their first round matchup, unless it's Portland and things go weird. But I, I also look and say, who in the world is guarding LeBron on Portland? Like, is, if it's going to be mellow, absolutely nobody. So, so uh, can I really be concerned unless injury, you know, begins to play Danny Green and KCP in, in, or Anthony Davis or someone like, like, I'm, I just, I can't get myself too worked up. No, no don't get me wrong. Port, Portland's biggest, like, like, I, like the ideal matchup for them is because they're down in Avery Bradley, so Dame might be able to go off for, you know, pro, a couple games, uh, I, an extra game more than he will already because Avery Bradley's not stopping Damian Lillard. That's not how that works. Um, Anthony Davis, just with the paint being a little bit more clawed, could result to being a jump shooter a little bit more, and that's obviously not his, his prime uh, means of scoring. And then if LeBron struggles, like, that's, you know, helpful. But, again... LeBron's not going to struggle against Mario Hazonia. He's yeah. not going to struggle against Gary Trent. Gary Trent playing really well. Great shooter right now. He's still pretty small compared to LeBron James. Like, it's just it's just not going to be like that. The biggest concern I have, and it's been a, it's been a season-long thing with the Lakers, is that they, they, they aren't a great three-point shooting team. They haven't been all season. They're 24th in the league three-point shooting. They're 35% from three. And the, th- the reason they it works out because they still throw a bunch of them up there. They're kind of like doing the Rockets um, Rockets deal because the Rockets are only are the 21st best three-point shooting team in the league. But they shoot a lot of them. And my, my concern with that is in a small sample size of a seven-game series, if you're playing two bigs um, like they often do with JaVale and Dwight Howard, I'm not sure how quickly they will go to the Anthony Davis at center lineups. If you're already at a deficit with just shooting ability on the on the franchise in the franchise, and then you can you choose to play two of your worst shooters consistently, so you're not giving yourself that variance factor. I wonder if they can get themselves in trouble against the best teams in the league, like primarily the Clippers, but I would also say the Nuggets because the Nuggets play a lot of guys who are good shooters, and if we're talking small sample size, things could go poorly. Okay. So any, any other teams that we need to look at uh, here as far as uh, are we worried about them? Or are we not worried about them? I think the Bucks are a team that I cannot be worried about based on the second half. I saw I, I watched them do to what they did to Miami. <laughs> True. Granted, there's no Jimmy Butler out there. But that team has a lot of good shooters and they have Giannis Antetokounmpo. Who, even if he is rusty, can still dunk. From the three-point line, <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty much. I, I also look at um, we've not seen playoff Eric Bledsoe yet, so we'll have to keep our <laughs> eyes out uh, for that. Um, but we've hardly I mean, seen bubble Eric Bledsoe. He hasn't played very much. Yeah, he has. Yeah, he hasn't. Um, so we'll keep our eyes out, eyes out for that going forward. When I look at when I look at what's going on here in the East, I mean Ben Simmons going down. And uh, being out for extended period of time, they've not officially ruled him out, but I think it would take the Sixers winning far too many rounds for him to be able to actually make it back after his surgery. We really have five teams in the East that, you know, are th- three of those series are going to be essentially sweeps, in my, in my opinion, or, or over pretty quickly. It's that, it's that middle one, wherever the Pacers end up going. And, and right now it's Pacers heat. 
maybe that one's an interesting series. Uh, it'll be it'll be a hero ball uh, series uh, for um, you know for, for for the ages. Uh, and then out west, though, like that, like that's where some of the interesting things are are, are going to be happening. Um, one other team that that's been having issues that is going to be the playoffs is the Jazz. How do you feel about them guys without without Boyan? I know they had an interesting game against Denver, but it, it has not looked very good out there. Okay, and I feel like you're incredibly good to speak on this because you're a guy who got to watch Boyan play the last couple of years and ha- and so, kind of saw his transition to being a solid defender and also um, clearly being one of the best shooters in the league. Go ahead and tell us like what 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 makes Boyan so good and so hard to replace when you're looking at the Jazz. I think on defense, like one of the things I noticed when he played with the Pacers on defense, the biggest thing that he did, because he's not that athletically quick. Like that's that's the first thing that stands out about him. But I think the one thing about him that he was willing to fight through a lot of the physical contact. Like a lot of a lot of the guys, swing players who who he had to guard were physical guys. And obviously, I mean, when you have matchups like Kawhi Leonard, when you have matchups like a LeBron James. Or even when you're matched up sometimes with like a Jimmy Butler, one of the things he did, he was able to get somewhat physical because Boyan is not a small guy. And that's one thing he had to his advantage. With a lot of with some of these guys, they were able to put their bodies on other defenders and get by them or get them into the paint. He was able to do his best to stay on top of it. And I think if you look at the where his defense has been relevant is look at the last two systems he's been in. Indiana and the Jazz, which are known for their defense, I think at some point Ethan Ethan has referred to the Pacers as the Jazz of the East as some of their some of their playing style. Richard's looking up defensive stats to see where they lie defensively. Thank you, Richard. Bring that up in a few seconds. But but you look at I'll say this: their coaches are known for being more defensive. All right. Let's, let's bring it at that. Pacers were just known for being slow at offense and having a slow offense. But then offensively, he's been, he's been to me, one of the better catch-and-shoot guys. Like, he's not going to dribble and get around you, create one-on-one. But, two, for instance, two of his game winners this season have just been on catch-and-shoot to make a ridiculous game winner, buzzer beaters. And that's the same thing he does for the Jazz, where he's a very – for me, he's not a guy who's up and down. Like, he's one of the more consistent shooters. That's why his three-point percentage is up. And you're missing that guy who can spread the floor and be consistent every night. That's the one thing I saw with him. It just constantly spread the floor. So you knew to the point in which, like, we're getting someone who's going to be a positive. Like, he's not the best defender, but he's not going to kill us on the defensive end when we have him in there. Yeah, he's the guy that if you see him get an inch, like, or like, I would say, like, you know, like, a full wingspan of space, the defense is already panicking because that shot's going up. Or if he pump fakes, you everyone's opposition because you closed out too hard. Like he's he's just a guy who really bends the defense in a different way because his ability to shoot off of some motion, his ability to shoot over smaller defenders, like he's he's got the stuff. All right, Richard, what you got for us? So, so the Pacers last year were the uh, number one team uh, in opponent points per game. They were third in defensive rating. Where the Jazz this year uh, were eleventh in defensive rating, ninth in opponent points per game. So. Derek Favors was good last year. Yeah, and who's currently – I don't know if I caught it in yesterday's game. Who's currently getting most of those minutes? The backup center for the Jazz, Tony Bradley. No, I'm talking about for, for Bojan. 
Oh, it's it's Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles picking yeah, up most that's of the what slack. I was gonna, that's what and I Jordan thought. Clarkson, honestly, like they're playing a little bit more small lineups with Jordan Clarkson out there. With I, I mean, mean, they have to. They shouldn't play Jordan Clarkson, but they have to because Jordan. I mean, they traded for him, and he is a good spark plug scorer from time to time. Yeah, but I think yeah, I think those minutes are going to like Clarkson and 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 the guards because you know Royce O'Neal was going to get his minutes, so was Joe Ingles. Yeah. It's just now those guys are in, inserted more into the starting lineup, and we're just seeing yeah, we're seeing those small, smaller lineups. Uh, all right, what's next, guys? Well, I want to talk about gambling a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take my rights as a podcast host and do some do some talking here. So, guys, real quick. Um, Gambling in the bubble has been a pretty interesting little uh, circuit here. We got some, we got some good wins. We got some bad losses. The, I had the Heat to win by six plus against the Bucks because I thought they would not, the Bucks would not go full bore, and the Heat, you know, still have things to play for. Felt great at halftime. Cried myself to sleep that night after I went into a stop where I don't have very good cell phone service. I'm servicing the account. I, I walk in with the heater up like like 12 or so. I come back out and they they were down. And I was like, this is not what we were looking for here. I am upset. Um, but something that was interesting to me is I've been very much keeping an eye on the Yusef Nurkic assist line. And he has been sitting at three and a half. And I'll tell you, it's very, it's very dangerous. Because the Blazers and Cam, if you're listening, they run an isolation offense about 30 to 40 percent of the time, and when that happens, Nurkic assists do not go well. I point at the Clippers game yesterday. He had eight assists in the first half. Nurkic was doing incredible stuff from the high post, dribble handoffs, and backdoor passes. The Blazers' offense looked incredible. And what happened in the second half? They decided that it was time for C.J. McCollum and. Carmelo Anthony and Dame Lloyd. Again, two of those guys have rights to do whatever they want with the ball in their hands for the most part. But fluid offense runs through passing. And Nurkic is a good passer. They should utilize him more. I, I have Nurkic in. So I got a little like bubble fantasy uh, basketball team. I got Nurkic and it's been a phenomenal investment. I just want to say that. Yusef Nurkic is a very good basketball player, guys. Yep. Like he's not the Jokic. He's not Joel Embiid. But he is in that next tier of centers, like where we're talking, like this guy can change a game for a team. You have to ma- have a plan on how to handle him because he is too big to like just throw a small on. He will post that matchup and be successful at it. Like he he is he is that good. My last note: I have been going riding the Nuggets hard here in the bubble, and it's been working out. Yesterday I had them at minus one against the Spurs. That took two overtimes, but it hit. They were they they were part of a three-way parlay. That hit, and they, I also picked them as an upset, and that, that also was very good. Good stuff by the Nuggets beating the Spurs. I didn't realize this. I double bet the, that Spurs game. I bet them – no, Wait, that was two days ago. talking about Spurs or Jazz? No, I'm talking about the uh, – the, oh, I had a minus one against the Jazz, there and I go. had them to beat the Spurs yeah. outright because they were underdogs. What were they thinking? Nuggets aren't going to lose to the Spurs. <laughs> but the last thing, I have, I, I want to describe one, one bad beat. I told the guys pre-pod. So I had Joel Embiid – when they were playing the Spurs at 41 and a half and I had the over and it was points, rebounds, assist. He was sitting on 40 Spurs had one, like theoretically one possession remaining and they drive, they drive in, they throw up a shot. The rebound is literally a foot away from Joel Embiid's hands and Keldon Johnson. I love you. I really do, <laughs> but you really screwed me there, buddy. <laughs> Keldon Johnson goes for the slap out of bounds. So it was a team rebound for the Sixers. So I missed the point there. That would have got me to 41. 
And then they, they go to the inbound, and Joel Embiid gets the inbound pass. They foul Joel Embiid. He has two free throws. And Joel Embiid, pretty good free throw shooter. He goes to the first one, makes 41. We're sitting on the line. Good job, Joel. And then he missed the next one on purpose. Oh, how terrible. Yep. Uh, the, the the Lawsons don't gamble. Yep. Um, this if, is why I don't gamble. No, no, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm still plus $19 in the bubble. $19. Small, small units, baby. Small units. Uh. If so I'm 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 technically plus four units, so you know if you're if you're a pro gambler and you throw a lot of money down, you know, you might wanna you might wanna inquire within. I'll, oh, I'll, boy. And cut and wet, wet the beak over here. Listen, all, all, all I'm saying is that um, if if you do that, don't go to Ethan for the uh, points, rebounds, assists for for big don't. men because he, he messed up that one and Jokic. I also missed Jokic by a half a point. So 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 don't don't go to him for that, please. Um, so let's get to our last thing here. Any big opinion swings on how we feel about a team uh, prior to the bubble? I'll go first. I had the Sixers early in the year as my like you know final star course. Odds were great on them. Put put five scratch down, and for some reason, uh, the Oregon scoreboard let me get back a dollar twenty two out of that. So I so if the if the Sixers go to win the championship, I will be really sad because I I took my bet back. <laughs> They gave oh, me a dollar back on my five. I said that they're not gonna win. I take it back. Oh man. How can what you? Um, I mean, for me, I think the only team has already been a team that we talked about, which were the Suns. Like that's for me was really the only team that I really was not expecting much from them. I should have seen it based on the trajectory, but that's the only team that for me has really changed my opinion. Like besides that. Almost every team, I've kind of been like, yeah, this is kind of what was expected. And also the Lakers. I mean, I know what the Lakers has been. I mean, they lost some major pieces, but I was expecting, you know, kind of seeing the momentum going in. And it felt like almost the Lakers had a lot of momentum going into the the bubble. And then it's just like – and I, I remember everyone was like – after that was that first game, they're like, oh, they beat the Clippers. But then people were like, well, the Clippers didn't even have Montrezl Harrell or Lou Williams playing. Yeah. And it's – and it's one of those like wins where you're just like, well, a win's a win still. But those are the two teams, Suns and Lakers. See, I'm not again. I'm not concerned with the Lakers. Um, I if, for for me the teams and uh, one of the positive, one in a negative. Um, positive one obviously just makes sense because the Trailblazers have Nurkic back, right? Yep. And you you're you're getting more healthy and you're playing well and you have a legitimate chance. Uh, you know, so that's obviously um been helpful. Uh, I guess I should say a third. The Grizzlies, obviously, those injuries have just basically tanked uh, their series. Even if they win, even if they get into the thing, they're just going to get completely crushed, There's, and it'll be sad. Uh, but the Pelicans, um, for them, just you know, going into the – I was thinking you know, the Pelicans are a team that can get out in transition and play solid defense. And uh, you know, in, start, starting the season, I was like lo- you know, loving the Lonzo Ball, Zion Williams, and this is what it's going to be. Obviously, with the way that Zion uh, is playing right now, it's just he's not the same type of player. Uh, he he needs to get in better shape. I don't want to beat you know a horse to death, and I think that he will. I think that he can. Um, it's just not going to happen during this postseason, and so him just standing and defending nobody um, a lot of the time, it just made me kind of view them less as a scrappy team trying to make it in like the Suns are, um, like even the Spurs are. Uh, you know, th- those teams are, uh, ha- have been trying, Pelicans seem to be just trying to get an extra swing at the lottery, uh, is, is what it seems. 
I've been saying all year when I saw Kendrick Williams playing in the final four minutes of the first game against the Raptors, I said, these Pelicans are on the soft tank from day listen, one. Listen, you got to say Kendrick's. <laughs> it's Kendrick, not Kendrick. I Kendrick said Kendrick. Williams. Okay. I, I, keep, I keep hearing. Test I the audio. We'll, no, I, I know. We'll I, I edited the audio, especially we'll last we'll pod, too. Back. We'll run it back. I heard it last pod, too. I'm just saying. Uh, you know, so I, I'm dyslexic. I, I'll blame that. Anyway. Oh, my goodness. We, we don't even have, it, It's a name. We've not even I'm reading it, on, it off a page. Oh, you're reading it? Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't see it on the doc, is what I'm saying. It's, I'm not reading it off a page. I'm oh, lying. come on. <laughs> come on. Are you serious? <laughs> I, you're, you're recalling a game back from the beginning of the season. I, I would hope it's not on the doc right now. Real quick, though, back to some serious basketball. I, I also wanted to mention, I didn't truly believe the Raptors were a finals contender before when the season started, uh, when the season progressed. I, I always thought this is really cute. Um, I don't see it. But I am so impressed with OG Ananobi. I've always liked him, but like I'm so impressed with the strides he's making. And I, I want to I say, because of the way they can shoot the three ball and how well they can defend, like, they had a really bad game against the Celtics the other day, and all that did was kind of reaffirm, yes, they can have the terrible game, but consistently they're going to be in the mix in most games. Like, they're, they're a team that is, om- like, because of their defense, is kind of like, like they, they won't bottom out consi- a lot. And so I just want to say, like, they have, an, they have a legitimate chance to get to the NBA Finals as anybody in the East. Like, the Bucks obviously best, but they're a team that is not to be trifled. I have a one hot take before we go. All right. You're going to say it, the, you're gonna say the Raptors are going to the finals. No, it's not. It's not. It has nothing to do with that. It's scalding all hot. That, all that is fine. It's scalding hot. Okay. Ethan's going to love this one. Oh, I just want I just want to say Duncan Robinson is Clay Thompson without the defense. He's better. Oh, <laughs> okay. there we go. He just poured, no, listen, listen. He took your I, take I, and I put threw that. I threw that into take. the Listen, you go and you go and look at the at those stats, career stats even if you want to. Uh, limited to a season like the stat line is near identical except for the fact that Duncan Robinson doesn't take twos which could be argued as a good thing versus a bad thing um and so like you look at it same we're doing an off of movement catch dribble handoffs like it's Clay Thompson without the defense I can't I can't remember if it was Duncan Smith or or Keith the Keith guy that you Keith Smith um he one of those guys uh, tweeted out like the uh, the statistical breakdown like and the percentiles and he was like excellent in everything. Granted, some things are very small sample sizes. Pick and roll as the ball handler, he he doesn't do it very often, but he was excellent at it. Right, like it, it was just such a fun thing to look at that he like legitimately per the numbers one of the best offensive players in the NBA. But that guy's got a clipper, dude. That guy does mm-hmm. not miss. Nope, not at all, not at all. Except for except for yesterday, he missed yeah. yesterday. Well, I look forward to uh, how things go with the rest of the bubble. I mean, we've got how much? How much more time do we have? We it looks like, like we've got playoffs starting the seventeenth, right? Yeah, it looks like we got like basically just this week. I think we'll know what the playoffs are by the time we by the time we talk again. Yep. Um. So, ready for it, guys. Guys, this this has been such an interesting year. COVID, all the all the crazy things going on in the world. Let me tell you guys, I've been playing so much golf, and I, I was th- I'm thankful for COVID that I was able to spend more money than I usually do playing golf, and it was okay because I sold a lot of face masks. You know, take advantage of the market. Anyway, um, guys, I'm so happy to talk basketball again. Like, you know, we we did a few pods doing rewar- awards and such, like ending up the uh, 
the season as we thought we might not see it again. And guys, I, can't, I it just makes me so happy. The, on on open on reopening night, I walk through the door. I'm a little late getting off work for like to see it like from the jump. I walk in and there's the Pelicans and the Jazz on my TV playing actual basketball. And I know that was like a week over a week ago now, but guys, it's just so nice. I'm so happy to see yeah. basketball. Can't can't wait until the actual playoffs when the Lakers won't be blacked out of my viewing experience. That'd, <laughs> that'd, be, nice that'd be really nice, Richard. <laughs> I want to see it. You need to get a friend with a a Spectrum login. Like you know, we we, we can blow we uh, you know, ha- have them come to the pod and talk to us why that's not okay. I've, I've got too many logins. I just I just want to say I shouldn't be blacked out of the end of a different game because yeah, that's the absurd. Lakers are playing next. Fair enough. Absurd. Do better, NBA. Yep. All right, guys. Good talking with you. All right. All right, let's go ahead and talk about uh, a couple of bigs. Let's go ahead and start with Isaiah Stewart, freshman out of Washington. Uh, You know, they play the the zone there, and he was with a couple other longer athletes. Uh, But coming out, he's going to be 19 next year. Uh, He's ranked 27th, got a range of 20 down to 42. And he was a... You know, pretty high scoring uh, big over over for Washington. Um, spent a lot of time around the rim, but he could space it out to mid range, and he did take about uh, twenty three pointers this year, shooting about twenty five percent. Ethan, what do we like about Isaiah Stewart? Well, Isaiah Stewart is a super strong guy. He's just a boy for the college game. I think that'll translate a little bit to the NBA level, although there will be you know, much more comparable athletes. He will not be bullying the the best big men in the league like he did the college kids. Um, he's got great touch around the rim. Like, he, he elevates, you know, however small that elevation may be and is able to adjust through contact and around contact pretty well. Like, like he's, you know, he, he finishes well. Um, and high-effort player, you know, when, when bad passes were made, he out-hustled his opponent to the ball. Um on rebounding, he, he was able to, you know, maneuver around quite a bit of box out threats, just co- constantly on the move, like constantly looking for an avenue to score. I I think he's one of those guys who just has a nose for the basketball, has a nose for the rim. He's going to find his way into a lot of a lot of buckets. Yeah, he again, no one wants the basketball like no, no one wants anything more than him when he's on the floor like he's like that effort level like you mentioned is just incredibly high um the question just comes with him is you know how he first of all he can't jump he just he just can't get up like you want to see some of the times where he's doing his work down in the post or getting around guys you just want to see him dunk it on people and the only time that he really dunks it and it's a rim grazing dunk is when he catches it in transition um, some guard has done a lot of work and just given him an, you know, an open lane catch and just rise up and dunk it. Even so it's just, he just can't get up as much. So he's never going to be like a pick and roll lob threat. Like you're not going to have any, any, uh, vertical, um, you know, any verticality to his, to his game. You know, he can get a couple blocks, you know, he, he's going to average uh, 2.6 blocks per, uh, per 40, which, which was reasonable for the college level, um, at six foot nine, you know, without a vertical, it you begin to wonder. You know, the translatability to the next level. I don't like while he does have touch around the rim. I don't. He's not going to obviously bully some of those bigger, uh, bigger bigs. So like that's kind of the weird question with him. 
And a lot, a lot of those blocks, I'd say, we watched a little video montage here before we recorded, and, and a lot of those blocks were coming on post-up attempts, which, let's be honest, guys, kids in college aren't very good post-up players. They, it's, it's what they do because it's what you know they, they do when they play one-on-one against each other. But a lot of times, like these moves aren't very developed. Isaiah Stewart being strong, keeping people down on the ground a little bit more, he was able to get quite a few blocks. Like I, he, he just eviscerated the University of Colorado um, and all their post touches. But yeah, he, his, his jump ability is the biggest concern. You'd like to see with your energy bigs, um, someone who can go up and get some oops, can, can you know, come get some help side blocks and that's not going to be his game. And honestly, that's like probably the limitation of like how, how he could make his way to being a starter in this league is if he was a little bit more athletic vertically. Yeah. And like, again, he did a pretty good job in college, especially in that uh, Washington zone. Uh, but you know, you just wonder what that looks like translating to the NBA. And while he does have a huge, um, you know, a huge motor and high effort guy and, the problem is you never actually got to see him do much work along the perimeter uh, and be a perimeter defender. And if he can be a good perimeter defender, then then that's super helpful. But we never got a real chance to see it, and I, I so I just I don't know if he can do it. Um, what we'll, we'll ha- that that'll be something that I'll be looking for specifically with him. The other thing is that shooting potential because he you know is the best free throw shooting big um, uh, at least stateside. Uh, shooting about 77% from free throw range. There are a couple shots where, you know, some people might like it, some people might not like it, the form, but it looks, you know, reasonable um, if he can get something consistent. Again, only shooting 25% on a low sample size. I think the idea for him is if you can get him to be able to um, space the floor and, and, and shoot from three, then you end up having a role for him, even if he can't be a complete bully. You, you can have him do something else in different matchups. Um, he does have a decent baseline fadeaway. I uh, made a couple of those, um, but you know it's it's finding the right role for him offensively. And if he can be a defensive perimeter guy, then then that's cool. Yeah, and that's why I compare him to Ed Davis. Ed Davis is one of those guys who, although I said Stewart probably a little bit stronger, thicker body than Ed Davis. Ed Davis is kind of that slender strength. Um, kind of always amazing how he was able to maneuver around the paint without looking like a menace. But that's the kind of comparison we got to look at here. Uh, Ed Davis was shooting potential because he's, he's just going to be kind of a plotting uh, screen rolling big that hopefully uh, can t- find some mismatch there once in a while. If he, if he finds a mismatch with a guard, he's going to be able to score, assuming he can control his body enough not to get a bunch of charges because people be flopping out there. People do be flopping out there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he needs to just not be attacking people's chest with, the, with his shoulder. But... Yeah, so it's, I mean, some of the best fits. Um, you like the Wizards as a fit. Why do you like the Wizards? Well, I think the Wizards are a team that have enough, a lot of shooting around there. Like, I look at Davis Bertans as someone who's going to keep people out of the paint. So I think a John Wall, Brad Beal, high screen and roll, we, we could get some mismatches there, get him rolling towards the rim without a defender because they will have to hedge on a Bradley Beal screen. I just think the Wizards are a team who's in need of bigs. I look at Thomas Bryant as kind of a similar comp for this guy as well now that I'm thinking about it. Thomas Bryant, a little bit more prolific with a jumper, a little bit higher potential of that working out. Um, but we're... Thomas Bryant struggles with some defensive rebounding. Isaiah Stewart's effort and his ability to get low and box out, I think he won't have a problem with that. I think any center, honestly, that is competent is probably a good addition for the Wizards who are lacking in depth there. They had a, a pretty bad um, 
Latvian uh, center this last year. I can't remember his name right now, but he was a agent agent friend of Bertans, and he was okay sometimes, but he wasn't he wasn't an NBA player in my opinion. Yeah, but I think with Stewart, um, again, he, his his rebounding numbers from college might be a little bit low, just because I mean, he, there's a lot of length on that squad. I mean, Jane McDaniel's is is there, and uh, that guy's a slender, bouncy guy, and probably stealing a few. So I, I can see him sealing some guys off. He, he can uh, get some offensive boards as well, um, especially if he maybe is weak side and can, can sneak in. Uh, so I, he, there's a role for him, and he's young, which you know maybe you can mold into something. Um, Celtics, Timberwolves might also be interesting. You know, Celtics are constantly looking for a big, give him, a, give him another swing. And the Timberwolves, because you have Carl Anthony Towns' versatility, as a backup big, you could still you can play him alongside Cat, and maybe if he can spread it out, you know, gives you give you more offensive versatility there. Yeah, he, he, like Nas Reed is was a kind of a current example of what they're doing up there, trying to find a stretchy uh, four or five, and Isaiah Stewart kind of like resembles that as well. Although Nas Reed is bouncy, so a little bit different there. Yeah. Um, worst fits Knicks again. It's like okay, I, I don't want him anywhere near uh, Mitchell Robinson. I uh, just don't really see that being a, a useful uh, meshing point. Um, the Hornets, they're probably just going to get a big with their first pick. You're going to get one of Wiseman or Okungu if they you know, are so lucky to have them on, on the board. If you're replacing Cody Zeller or taking some small ball center lineups away from P.J. Washington, make sure you're doing it with a guy with like a huge upside potential is what I would argue. Mm-hmm. And um, the Lakers, the bigs that we're talking about, um, right now just are not the Lakers style of big. They're not the rim running guys who are able to catch lobs and things like things of that nature. So it doesn't really fit the Lakers um, uh, big. I don't, I don't really know that, that that guy is there on the Lakers pick. So there's Isaiah Stewart. Let's go ahead and get to the next guy who is right behind him in the rankings, ranked 28. Uh, range is similar, 22 to 41. Xavier Tillman. Uh, he'll be 21. 21-year-old season next year uh, out of Michigan State. Although he's played played three years there, he decided, um, I, you know, he, he decided that he's coming out. Now, for him, he is not a guy who is just going and trying to score a whole lot. His his main selling point is going to be his basketball IQ and uh, his facilitation and just versatility offensively and defensively. Like that's your selling point with him. He's one of the guys who has one of um, one of the highest floors in this draft as far as uh, a big. Yeah, he's definitely a guy who will keep the ball moving offensively, has has pretty quick feet, trusts his ability to switch out occasionally. I, I wouldn't put that as quite as much of a strength as I think you give him credit, um, but it is something that, in a pinch, he can do. Um, but yeah, ultimately, he is, he's a little bit small um, for a big a center in the NBA. Um, we will see how that continues because obviously they're they're the huge guys like Joel Embiid, they're like Marcus Saul, like guys like that who have been impact players in this league for some time now. But in the new era of like a center kind of like more like Bam, you know, he's got to play out there. He, he probably can't keep up with Bam's speed, but physically in terms of size, he definitely is uh, comparable in that department. If Xavier Tillman can eventually work his way into being a, uh, a starter for a team, like I just think his perimeter defending is not going to get him played off the floor at the end of games. Like he'll be able to, to stay on the floor because you're not going to be able to just constantly attack him. He's too smart. And uh, I, I think he's quick enough. And with his, 
again, positional dribbling ability. Like he's the type of guy who, you know, on dribble handoffs, if you have guys, you know, who can shoot off, you know, who, who could like a Duncan Robinson type, kind of like that thing. He's the guy who can take it and, you know, fake a dribble handoff and take it to the rim. That's the type of dribbling uh, ability that we're talking about with him. But again, he's six foot nine. His, he doesn't have the size. Uh, his ceiling probably isn't as high. But again, in this draft, if you're drafting near the end of the first round, get the, you know, and, and you just need someone who's going to be able to contribute for a solid team, perhaps. I, I, I see him as um, uh, someone who can come in and, and, and fit well. Yeah, and last thing with him is he's kind of a thick boy. Like, I think if he gets a little bit slender in the NBA workout uh, cycle, he might – he that, that switchability might be even even better. Like, I, I, I like him in, in a lot of ways, like, as an older player, like, with – like, he seems like he's been in college for a long time because he's, you know, been a contributor since day one. Like, he kind of, like, almost like, uh, you know, why haven't you come out sooner? You kind of get some, some bad taste in your mouth and play to stay long, and that's not necessarily fair. I, I think he uh, – I think he, he I think he'll mold well to an NBA team, especially um some of these teams we have as his best and worst fits. Yeah. Or best fits, I should say. Yeah. Um he his free his shot is another thing that uh, is gonna be an interesting thing for him. He only shot sixty seven percent from the line this year. He shot seventy percent through his whole college um uh from 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 the line. Can he if the form's not awful, um can he's can he space it out? That that if he can you know, if he can become kind of a pick and pop big as well, or uh, you know, on dribble handoffs, fake it, you know, space out and 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 take take a longer shot, perhaps that could be something else that could give him just more things that he can do. He's already versatile, but that would be helpful, uh, helpful add to his game. Always, always appreciate some more shooting. Yep, yep. Um, who we got as a player comp for? Well, you know, I didn't have a perfect one. The person I was thinking about, but it's it's not perfect by any stretch of imagination. But I, I, I like a little bit of like a, a just knockoff Mark Gasol, a guy who who, who pro- isn't cast as a, a primary facilitator, isn't cast as a as a primary post up threat, but. In all the match, he can, he can take advantage of a lot of mismatches. Um, the only difference here is like I think you know Marcus Sol has that elite ability defensively, um, really good at calling stuff out, and now can shoot threes. But if you're talking about you know well, a budget Marcus Sol, that's what I'm 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 seeing here. Budget mini Marcus Sol, like again, yeah. his his Gasol size is going to make him definitely a better rim defender. Although on the on the perimeter. Um, I think Xavier Tillman is going to be able to do uh, a bit better. I, again, I like those Raptors bigs. I think that like that's one of the places where I think that if he can go there and kind of work uh, behind those guys, if 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 the Raptors are, are bringing them back on shorter deals, that would be I think really useful for his continued development. Um, find, finding a team like that, and and so I, I like that as I think the Raptors bigs are are a good. Um, you know, good fit for him. I think if you kind of maybe combine them together a little bit, like somewhere out of there, you kind of have an Xavier Tillman. The 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 other the, and the last the comparison I had. This is only an offensive one, and it's it's not a perfect one, but I I'm reminiscent of a lot of what Montrezl Harrell does in the short roll, where he does step and then an aggressive move to the rim. Now Montrezl Harrell is much more vertical of an athlete, but some of the uh, the footwork and the um the the quick passing out, Montrezl Harrell has that ability. And Montrezl is a mini ver- is a mini version of that. So like I think Xavier like he has a lot of offensive 
lot of offensive skills that are going to show up in a lot of different areas, which makes his, his comp a little tough, um, especially when he's an undersized center. But I think there's some of that uh, Montrose Harrell uh, short roll action as well in his game. Yep. Again, the, the best passing big man in, in this draft. Uh, let's go to, let's go to best fits. Um, you also like the wizards um, again. Yeah. Well, wizards, wizards need a big as it were. And, I think with a guy like Bradley Beal, dribble handoff opportunities, this is something that uh, Xavier Tillman could aid Bradley Beal's success in. Yep. Um, I think that uh, the Mavericks, and I mentioned the Raptors already, like, I think Mavericks could, could, could be a good fit, too, at the, at the top of the second round. Um, uh, you know, they, they're going to have to deal without Dwight Powell next season, and I know that they've invested a lot into that, uh, you know, in, into that general thing, but they also could, you know, use... Um, maybe another big man who can set some screens for Luca and, and can work the ball and be part of an offense uh, as well as being helpful defensively. Mavericks need help rebounding when it's not Boban out there. Christmas Brzingis is not a very good defensive rebounder, which is why like even at his insane size at the four, it's, it still makes sense for him to play that position because he, he, he's never shown his ability to really lock down rebounds as a, uh, as a five. Yeah, and just Xavier Tillman's going to be a good rebound. And Xavier Tillman just being thicker, um, being able to handle some of those, uh, you know, ha- have the strength to be able to maybe take care of of what um, Chris Stapps can't. Worst fits. Um, the Knicks just, I, I don't see him again fitting well with Mitchell Robinson. Uh, you know, that's a different type of of big, and and I think they should steer in into that. Uh, if if you're the if you're the Knicks. Mentioned the Hornets as well. I don't think that uh, fits well. We mentioned that they should just go for a high upside big, and the Pelicans. Um, I, I put them there. Is just there's going to be too many guys there. They got Jackson Hayes. They got Zion as a four. Uh, who if you can play some small ball five lineups, go there instead of you know giving Tillman run. So I just don't think that that really is a fit um, uh, for 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 that roster. Wouldn't be good for Tillman to be there. Yeah. And Derek Favors is obviously someone they might consider bringing back as as long as he he has interest in returning. Yeah. So I mean, with these guys, um, it's you know, do you trust that? Hey, I know that I'm going to get Xavier Tillman. Whereas Isaiah Stewart, 19, maybe you can develop a few other things there. Just kind of depends what you want. Um, what do you want your big to to be able to do? Do you want him to be able to be more of a facilitator? Uh, you know, be helpful to continue the offense, not just be a finisher on the, uh, you know, finish offensive sets, or do you want that guy to, you know, be able to maybe space it out? Maybe people believe in Isaiah Stewart's three point um, and shooting ability a little bit more. I don't know. What, what do you, what, what do you, what do you think? Well, the best thing about these two is with, with their, skill levels like you can trust them to actually take advantage of mismatches and that's more important to me than actually can isaiah stewart shoot or can tillman shoot um both these guys like unlike maybe like a precious achua these guys if they get a small on them it's it's put them on the hip and they're either going to take them in and score two points or they're going to kick out and it's going to be probably an open three so like i just trust the decision making so much out of these two guys that that's really excitable for me. Now, if now to go back to your question, where you say, "What do I prefer?" It really just does 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 depend what my surrounding talent is. If, if I got a if I got a guard that, let's just say, isn't a perfect playmaker or like, isn't 
a ideal facilitator. I like the idea of having Xavier Tillman as a guy who you can throw it to in the high post and just run more sets with him as a facilitator from time to time. It might be only be for 10 minutes a game, but it's something that can take a little bit of pressure off. Whereas if I got a guard that really has no problem setting people up all, all on their own, being more of a uh, less, less ethocentric offense, I, I like the idea of Isaiah Stewart, who when he gets the opportunity, he'll probably a more likely a stretch candidate and also a a guy who will hustle, get to the rim um, quite a bit, and I think is is a stronger player than um, Tillman has a chance to get even beefier. Like he, he's he's the, this this youth strength is insane. If he gets even stronger, we we could see something special with uh, I, again I still think a bench energy big. Yeah, I, I think that if I'm if I'm going Isaiah Stewart, I want him just to be the guy who hey you're you're my you know first big off the bench, and I just need you to bring as much energy as you can. For, for four minutes for you know short short short, short spurts and just give 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 a thousand percent as, as you're coming in and whereas Xavier Tillman's I think you're maybe even trying to weave him into maybe being um, a starter at some point uh, where you're you're trying to make him uh, you know a, a, probably a, a low end, low end starter but you're able to um, build. Uh, put him into an offense like you mentioned with, with, with some other maybe high level shooting guys. Think, I mean, this is probably not fair to Tillman, but think about what Joakim Noah did when, after Derek Rose um, got hurt, right? Like this is like high scale, big, big time stuff. But you know, Nate Robinson, Kirk Heinrich, these guys were not perfect ball handlers, facilitators for an effective offense. And the Bulls still struggled. Don't get it. Don't get it twisted. But Joakim Noah was able to take a lot of pressure off those guards, get them moving with advantages by just holding the ball at the top of the key and making kick kick passes to the corner for some open threes. That is like the peak Tillman, I think you could see it offensively is is what Joakim Noah was able to do when he climbed to fourth in the MVP voting. And like this is again, a, it's going to be a smaller, compact area that he does it. In. It's not going to be a whole game type of thing. But that's that's the kind of upside Tillman has. If you're looking for some help in the facilitation realms. All right. Very good. Thanks for joining us today on the Hero Ball Podcast. And we'll see you next time.